everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to Sunday night service. How is everybody on this beautiful Sunday evening? Amen. Well, we had a great service this morning. Uh, we were able to baptize, I don't know, 10 or 12 people. We're going to do some more baptisms tonight. So you picked a great night to be here. Uh, it is just a beautiful thing to see people making their commitment to Jesus. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing and declaring that this nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and get that on the screen there. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight, and you may be seated. All right, we'll get into some announcements here. Uh, one thing I'll remind you of that we kind of went over this morning is uh, be patient with us on our sound. We got a brand new sound system, and it's huge, and it's wonderful. And, you know, uh, the sound was always kind of one of our main issues, but uh, a lot of you were here in 2021. We did all these acoustic sound panels, uh, which has been a big help. And then we bought a brand new state-of-the-art Behringer top-of-the-line soundboard, which is incredible. It's all digital and touchscreen and all this fancy stuff. But it is a little bit of a learning curve. And so uh, you, we're working on that, but, you know, give us a few services here as we iron out some of the little uh, nuances of it. So you may hear a few little hums and, and whistles and things like that, but hey, it's okay. We're aware, and we're just working on it, but overall, it is a huge, huge, huge upgrade, like 50 years in advance, so it's wonderful. So praise God for that. So let's give the Lord some thanks for our new soundboard, everybody. Come on. Come on. Very good. Well, let's do some announcements here. Again, uh, we did baptisms this morning. We have some baptisms tonight at the end of the service, so stick around for that and celebrate with those that are getting baptized. It's a huge moment in the faith, and we want to make sure that uh, that we get a chance to celebrate that together. All right, a big one this week, and I keep saying it, but Thursday is what? Yes, it's the National Day of Prayer, and uh, High Desert Word Center is the host for the City of Barstow this year, so Thursday night, 7 p.m., right here, all the churches have been invited, and, and a whole lot of them are coming on Thursday night to have a National Day of Prayer service. Uh, we're going to have some worship. Uh, we've got, I think, uh, with nine different churches are represented on the worship team, so that tells you how much uh, this, you know, all of us are working together, and then I've got a lot of the different pastors are going to be leading the prayers, and one of my good friends uh, from Big Outreach, Pastor Rodriguez, is going to lead us in communion, and it's going to be absolutely awesome, and so I'm requesting that every High Desert Work Center person be here Thursday at 7. I keep asking every service, who's going to help me out and be here Thursday night at 7? Yeah? All right. Good. I want to see you guys, and uh, it's just going to be a super 
super cool night and a powerful night together with all the Christians in the community. They're all invited. So anyway, we'll put it that way. Praise God. All right. Also, this weekend we got men's meeting Saturday at 9 a.m. So men, you know what to do. Bring a Bible, bring a little breakfast to share, and we call it breakfast, Bibles, and bros. So bros, you going to be there? All right, thank you. Raymond, at least me and Raymond will have a good time if no one else does. All right, and then I'm excited about this one. We have a new lift group kicking off this weekend. And uh, Miss Rosalinda Palakito right over there is, uh, she's in charge of our lift group ministries. But she is starting off a new uh, group. It's, a, it's really a, it's a health, a fitness group, um, but it's health his way. We're going to be looking at it, uh, you know, through a nice exercise way, but also through the eyes of God. So she'll share a, a very brief devotion. And then, there's, you know, uh, anyone that's here is going to go to, on a 20 to 30 minute walk. And uh, she's also talking about just texting you some, uh, some daily or weekly devotions and stuff like that to, you know, kind of build you up in this area regarding health. So if you're interested, this will be a group that meets weekly, okay, every Saturday at 7 a.m. So if you're interested, see Rosalinda, and you'll meet up over here uh, by Victory Hall in the back parking lot. And I think it's a super cool uh, group, and I'm very, very happy about it, all right? And then in a couple weeks, it's going to be the Mother and Son Country Breakfast, all right? Now let's get this passed around here tonight. So uh, this is for Mother's Day weekend, so moms and sons, or, or sons and moms, either way, uh, come on out, uh, and then it's $6 for kids, if they're 5 and under, they're free, but uh, adults uh, are $8, and make sure you take advantage of that, it's a great gift for your mom for Mother's Day, or moms, it's a great chance to get your sons together and spend a little quality time together, so the sign-up sheet's right there, and uh, you can also get it back at the info booth. Alright, well, I think that's all the announcements for now. It's busy around here, but that's really good. Alright, I'll have business pastor come on up tonight and do our Sunday evening times and offerings. Amen. Hello, everybody. Hey, before we uh, go into times and offerings, I want to uh, give a push for our May devotional. Um, copies are back on the, the table, and I hope that I sent the long copy to you. Did I, Josh? Did I just mention it? What? Yes, it all yet. Oh, he said I haven't answered. I haven't sent it to him. I'll send it to you tonight. Okay, so those people who uh, do it online, you know. But this the, this month is God's plan for your family. There's stuff in here for families in general. There's stuff in here for husbands, wives, children, and also finances for your family. So this, this month is just super packed. So you want to make sure that you either pick one off, off the info booth or you get it online, okay? All right. Well, tonight uh, we are going to be looking at Luke 6.38. I'm in the uh, New King James. This is an offering scripture. And also, before you're looking that up, um, this morning we took up a special offering for our, mission, our, our missions trip to Honduras. And so if you are not here this morning and would like to give into that, then make sure that you mark your envelopes plainly with missions trip so that it doesn't get mixed up with the general offering. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and um, uh, Robert will make sure you get one. Okay, Luke 638, Jesus said this. I can find it. Give, and it will be given to you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will, will men put in 
to your bosom, King James says. So bottom line is this thing says you cannot give God, right? So if you're given and he gives back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, you can't outgive God. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. Amen? That's God's promise to you. All right, well, let's stand up and we'll say our financial faith confession and then we'll come on up for worship. All right, there it is. As we bring the Lord's tithe, we give all we stay. We believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, grace and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for paying all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family to give generously to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
in my father's house, when you get to heaven, you have to dodge and you have to dodge the holes in the streets because the streets are so poorly kept in heaven. It says they're made out of gold. Amen. And so God does not have any problem at all with his children being wealthy and prosperous and having abundance, but he has a problem when wealth becomes your God. Amen. And so I want you to look at 3 John 2. I want to remind you again of the topic. How to transition from the world system to God's system of economics. 3 John verse 2. And this, this should be a familiar scripture. But the Christians have been born again uh, for a while. Go to churches like this that, that teach the Bible about God's uh, success he has planned for you already. The third John, verse 2, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John said, Beloved, I wish above all things, he said, above all things, that you prosper and be in health. God doesn't want you broke, he doesn't want you sick. But he said, even as thy soul prospers. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight in that, in that area there, even as thy soul prospers. And so your, your solical prosperity will determine your natural prosperity and even your health. And I put notes in my Bible a long, long time ago. That word prosper comes from a Greek word that means to help on the road or succeed, or succeed in reaching. To help on the road or succeed in reaching. And the Bible tells us over and over that our, that our, our life as a Christian is a race. We're on, a road, we're on the road of our Christian faith right now, and our road's going to lead us to heaven someday. But on the road, God wants to help us to prosper on the road. Amen. He wants us to have divine health on the road. And so it says, He helps on the road succeed in reaching. As I'm reading this, as we worship the Lord, I'm thinking about our life personally, Mrs. Pastor and I. And uh, to compare it to a lot of modern Christians I'm watching, that's somehow or another got sucked into the world system for the government to take care of. And other people always take care of like that. I was thinking about Joshua as his lead worship up there. Back when we got married in 1982, and I remember in 1983, I was still a driver, and I, and I just told the verge of my company about our business, and finally they laid me off. But anyway, uh, we knew nothing about welfare or any of those kind of things. We never collected anything. We just didn't know how we lived. Besides that, it wasn't easy to get back then anyway, especially in the Midwest. But as we were going through this pregnancy, I remember Labor Day weekend very clearly because my pregnant wife was going through the cupboard trying to find some crumbs, anything to eat. And he was born in November, so Labor Day was getting pretty close. We had no food. We had no help. And I remember that. And the reason I remember so clearly is because I was about to get laid off. I was just getting two or three days of work, of work a week. I went, in, I went into work after Labor Day, and one of my co-workers went to a church uh, not too far from us. And he said, well, what you guys do over Labor Day weekend? Well, I didn't tell him. He was starving. And my friend and wife had no food to eat. I don't know if you ever fed anything or not. I guess you did. You're alive. And Josh is here. But anyway, he said, well, I said, man, he said, our, he said, our church had a big pig roast. He said, we have so much food, we just throw food away. He said, I kept thinking all day about you. I thought, man, I'll call Bernie Jansk if I didn't hear this pig roast. And I didn't say, man, you sure miss God. God was putting us on your heart 
because we need the food, and all that food you threw in the dumpster, we could have took home with our refrigerator. Amen. And so I went through things like that, and I, after that I learned. We had to really learn how faith works, because people weren't going to take care of us. And then I went, I fast forward a little bit, in 1985, the year the Pastor Dave was born. For that year, I think I made a total of $6,000 for the year, and even back then, that wasn't very much money, and I didn't have a car. I had a borrowed Ford Fiesta, and I don't know what those are. And I already had five kids. And I'll never forget that right down the road, uh, my teenage boys looked at me like their shoes were pontoon boats or had such big feet. We, we looked like a clown car. We went right down the street in that Ford Fiesta with those kids, and they had to curl up like spaghetti, and I'd see feet sticking up against the back windows everywhere, these great big giant feet. And these kids in that car. And again, I knew our faith had to work. People weren't going to take care of us. And the one time we tried to give government assistance, before I got laid off and things were going good, I bought a brand new car. That turned out to be a living car. And it was all across the United States had a class action lawsuit that took years to settle. And so it was in the wintertime, and that car blew the engine. And so we got over to the local welfare office because they had fuel assistance. We lived where it got cold. I'm not talking about desert cold. I'm talking about 20 below zero cold. And really cold, cold, cold. And we burned fuel off because they didn't have all the EPA rules where you burn anything you burn to stay warm. And so we went to the office and said, they're giving assistance to people to get oil. So we went in there and like, oh, sure, let's fill out these papers here. They said, do you own any cars? Well, I was making payments on a car that was sitting still doing nothing. And so I put that down there and I was laid off and said, bring your W-2 from last year. I bought my W-2 from last year. I had full teacher's wages. She said, we can't give you guys anything. You make too much money. I said, I'm laid off. I said, my car is dead sitting in the driveway. I can't do anything with it. We don't have a car. We don't have income. I'm sorry, you don't qualify. And I learned again. We had to depend on Jesus with our faith. And so that's basically the, the help we ever got was nothing. And so through all those years, we learned how to believe God, tap into his system, and here we are. My family's not broke. We don't live on the street. We're not beggars. Amen. And I'm not knocking anybody about anything. I'm telling you, we are not somebody that bought the silver, silver spoon in our mouth. We're somebody that came up the hard way and learned how to believe God to take care of our family. Amen. So wherever you are, uh, I, I guess I just, I say that. Tell me your sob stories. I got a few myself. But I learned not to cry. I learned to pray. I learned to do what the Bible said to do, and we came out pretty good. Our kids did pretty good. She said, above all things, I want you to prosper and to be in health, even as your soul prospers. So the Bible is the will of God for our lives. How many believe that? And not just believe with your head, but in your heart, you know, this is the will of God. God doesn't want me to be a beggar. God doesn't want me to depend upon somebody else to take care of my family so they can pull the chains and tell me where I can live, what I can eat, what I can drive. And all those kind of things. God wants you to have Jesus as Lord of your life. So Jesus can tell you how much money you can make. Jesus can tell you what you can drive, where you can live, what you can eat. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. And so he said that it's his will for you to prosper and be in health. And so 
believers need to spend most of the time studying and putting into practice what they learn in the Bible. I'll tell you what, I, I just about give anything to take all these phones and computers and wipe Google off. And they put on there when they want help to push it. I keep pushing the G-O-O, -O, but it keeps coming up. God, ask God, seek God, ask God. God has the real answer. God has the truth. Amen. Amen. How do you think your life would be better if you went to God instead of Google? Amen. 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 And so anyway, I'm glad they didn't have Google with Pastor Dave had leukemia. I might got sucked into looking at Google instead of God, but I didn't, didn't have that back then. I stuck with the Bible and got the results. But you see, anyway, you need to primarily read the epistles. And let me tell you why. The Bible's written to three groups of people. The Bible's written to the lost to tell them how to find God. And then the Old Testament's written to the Jewish people to show them about their covenant. But the New Testament is the only part of the Bible that is written exclusively to born-again New Testament Christians. The New Testament epistles show you who you are in Christ. Who Christ is in you. Because of the Old Testament, Christ wasn't here. New birth wasn't possible. The Holy Spirit was on the outside talking to kings and priests primarily to tell people what they could do, what God had to say. In the New Testament epistles, he tells about the Holy Spirit in us talking to us. What he says to us individually, we don't have to go someplace once a year and show up and hope somebody else is living right. The epistles tell you what God has for you because of what Jesus did for you, through you, in you, on you. Amen? That's the epistles. And so he tells us above all else, he wants us to prosper. So you need to, you need to study the epistles and they're written entirely to born again believers. And we have, we have to know this also, that the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. Speaks to our heart. A lot of Christians, because, because they're really ignorant about the ways of God from the Bible, think that God speaks to their thoughts. He doesn't. God is not a mind. God's a spirit. He speaks to you spirit to spirit. As he speaks to your spirit, you begin to recognize things. Those thoughts from God are innermost things that float up to you to where you begin to understand them. They're out of your head. They come floating up to your spirit to pick them up. And if you don't know how things work, you think, well, I'm, I'm thinking that. I'm, I'm thinking that. Well, you're not thinking that. God put it in your heart and you understand that. That spiritual understanding. And so a lot of times, I can't get, I, I hate to start with that money trail because sometimes you've got to explain things. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says we're supposed to cast out thoughts and imaginations and every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The devil will throw fire darts at your head. He can't get in your heart because him and the Holy Spirit can't live in the same place. Amen. And so he will throw fire darts against your head as you're wanting to get out of debt and begin doing things God's way. But you can't tithe this week. Didn't make it up. You can't tithe because you got this. You can't tithe because of this. All the reasons he'll give you. But then God says in his word, you're holding me back to bless you because you don't tithe. You got to get it going. You got to get the process starting. And once you begin... To operate from your heart and not let your head lie to you and step into God's system. That's the first step to get in. Amen. And that's not works. That's called obedience. Amen. There's a difference. So anyway, 
I want to take these notes. I've got some pretty good stuff I wrote down. And so he speaks to our heart that because we're three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, we must constantly work on our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. I wrote some things down here that I never thought of like this. So if you're taking notes, which I hope a lot of you take notes, write these things down. And if you don't, then watch this again on, on the internet. That uh, we got to work on our soul, our mind, world, emotions, if we want God's best to come to pass in our lives. I want to say that again. If you want God's best, you're going to have to constantly work on your soul, on your mind, world, emotions. He says, we prosper even as our soul prospers. And I'm going to clarify that what I wrote down here this morning. It's so good. And I like it. It helped me. Even as our soul prospers. And so our health and our financial prosperity are done deal in the spiritual realm. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Jesus already took part in the spiritual realm your prosperity. And your health. Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, as past tense, he's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We've been blessed in our spirits already with everything we need. God is a spirit. Healing for your spiritual, for your physical body comes from God who's a spirit. comes through your spirit, from the spiritual reader. And so already that's taken care of. God is a spirit, and God's the one that arranges things in life. As you sow, he teaches so much in the Bible about sowing financially, sowing financial seed, reaping financially. In the spirit, he's already done it. But the soul is where the problem is. To be able to get to show up on the outside what you've got on the inside. Look at that Ephesians 1 3 again. And if that's not real to you, you need to make that one of your verses to begin to meditate upon until it really gets real to you. And that's where I get the phrase that the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Because since he has already, and so I've taught so many times when he told me years and years and years ago to tell the people if they're asking him to give him something he's already done, he can't do it because he's already done it. They've got to have their eyes open to see how to reach in and grab it. Amen. You don't have to beg God for something he's already done because he's already done it. The need's already met. But the problem with your soul is even as your soul prospers, even as your soul prospers. So if you, if you, if you determine you're going to eat only soul food, only soul food, and not the manna from heaven, you're never going to prosper. What's soul food? That's watching nice shows that just tickle you, make you feel so good. Oh, I just love that show. It made me cry. Oh, that just made me laugh. Oh, that was such a thriller. Oh, I just read that because I like to read all those all those history facts. I like to read all these true stories. Well, that's called soul food. There's no demonic resistance to that because that's doing nothing to help you get victory in life. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Faith only comes by God's word. And so if you spend all your time with your soul just reading things that there's no resistance, they just come for you and make you feel good, put no faith in you, that your soul is not prospering. 
Amen. I go to Greg Preach and you're shouting. This is the absolute truth that's going to help you make a shift into God's economy. So it says, He's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so our health and our financial prosperity are a done deal. But we must give our mind, get our mind renewed to the Word of God. And as an act of our wills, we're talking about mind, will, emotion. You get your mind renewed, but that's just the start. Your soul is your mind, will, emotion. But then as an act of your will, you must be a doer. You gotta act on the word. As act of your will, you must be a doer of the word. And listen to this, not allow your emotions to override what you know to do. I've seen so many Christians do such stupid things with their money. They get an emotional whim and get a new charge card or something. And they go out and they go nuts, use that new charge card. Oh, do I have to make any payments for six months? Oh, no payments for six months. And then go around on that false prosperity, counterfeit prosperity, letting everybody see how, quote, God blessed me. Well, the blessing's there until the payment comes due. The blessing of the Lord makes it rich with no sorrow to it. Amen. There's sorrow when you live on borrowed money. Because you live on borrowed money, the Bible says that the, that, that, that the borrower is servant to the lender. And so they're, they're the ones that are controlling what you own because you don't own it, they do. As soon as you start missing the payments, they come and take their car because it's not your car. They come and take your clothes if they can because it's not your clothes. And I hate that commercial, and I don't see commercials much, but when I ever see that commercial on, for everything else, there's MasterCard. I remember the first time I saw that thing come out years ago. They really like to put on baseball games, like watch baseball and every Indian they have their master card. Man, I hit mute. I said, there's no way Jesus is my master, not them. He's not going to be my master. And do you think it's by chance that they call it master card? Amen. And so, and so this is called the soul when you're an emotional buyer, when you buy by emotions. That's why I don't watch commercials much at all. I'm not going to watch those commercials and go spend all my money on some stupid expensive lunch and I'll be able to drive my car this week and spend all my money on some stupid meal and they said i got to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Am I preaching real good or not? Yeah. Amen. I, you know, I'll tell you some more stories about our life. I think that we talk about this quite frequently because we watch the... I, I, I just don't want to use bad words. Watch the stupid Christians today, I guess I should say. A lot of stupid people. We never took our kids to Dairy Queen and McDonald's because we had a choice. Either buy groceries for the table, have gas for the car, or go eat something somewhere else. Finally, finally, back in the mid-1980s, McDonald's came out with a 25-cent ice cream cone. And I remember about once a month, we'd make a trip to McDonald's, and we'd get a 25-cent ice cream cone piece for us and all the kids. But you know what we did, though? paid our bills. We had gas. We didn't have all the fancy food we'd like to have, but we had food. Josh, we 
had a newspaper route, had that car before it broke down, laid off, had things to do. I remember we get in the car, she had a great big belly that was doing our part. We had to work both sides of the street. We'd go to sit back in the car, she'd grab it, swing it over. No, that was, that was David because Josh already born was up, up north. Remember, you'd on Josh, but Josh up out of the car street, and run up the street and have chased Josh while he was doing papers. So at 6 o'clock, no, I'm just telling you, nobody took care of us. We did those newspapers, and then our tree, our tree, on Saturday morning, on Saturday morning, we got paid. The guy gave us, had up a little few bucks he gave us. We get paid. Well, back in Indiana, uh, Carl's Jr. owns a restaurant chain called Hardy's. It's Hardy's back there is Carl's Jr. We was going to Hardy's, and for a dollar, we get we get a 35-cent cup of coffee. That's the thing called cinnamon biscuits, whatever that's called. And we both get a coffee, and that's been about a dollar. And that was our treat for the week, was to have that. So what I'm telling you, modern times has corrupted Christians. They don't know the value of a dollar, how to spend their money. And then, and then they want to know why things aren't working. Things aren't working. Seed time and harvest works, negative or positive. And so what you sow is what you reap. If you're sowing on the negative side, guess what? Works just as well on that side, does on the right side. Amen. And so uh, you cannot be a person that just reads the Bible but never does what it says. But then at the same time, you have an emotional whim and you diss it. You just throw it away and say, no, I'm going to do what I want to. And whether you say those words or not, that's what you're doing when your emotions dictate your actions. Your soul, he said, even as your soul prospers, emotions are part of your soul. You got to become a person that's mature enough spiritually to recognize, I can't violate God's ways and prosper. Say that when you say, I can't violate God's ways and prosper. But now say this, when I cooperate with God's ways, he said, I will prosper. Amen. And I want to look at three primary things that we teach frequently here. And any good Bible church will teach these things. Three primary things for 3 John 2 to come to pass in your life. Number one, look at Romans 10, 17. And somebody that's been going here long enough says, Pastor, we look at that all the time. Why, why, how long are we going to keep looking at that until you get it? Until the new one's coming in, start to see it. We've got to, we've got to realize that in a church, you have mature believers. Some people aren't even believers yet. They're not born again yet. And then we have baby or young Christians that don't know it yet. And then we got some that are carnal Christians. They've allowed their minds to get hardened, their hearts to get hardened where they hear it, but they ignore it. And so there comes a point in time that you keep on teaching it. Even the hardest Christians, all of a sudden, they're going to hear it one day. Wow, I never heard that before. I've heard this happen so many times in all of our years of ministry. Somebody said, Pastor, I never heard that before. I go back and look at my notes. I'm mad. I've talked that 15 times in the last year. And every year we've been here, and every guest speaker comes in and hits on it. But you just now heard it. You know why? Because somehow or another, the Holy Spirit penetrated that hardness and got it through to you. And so, Romans 10, 17 is a very key to your spiritual prosperity. So that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you've got to sit under sound Bible teaching, 
concerning God's system of economics. Do you know that a lot of churches do not teach why the tithe? A lot of churches don't teach you that when you're a tither, according to Malachi chapter 3, that God opens the windows of heaven for his blessing on your entire life. That God himself steps in and rebukes the devourer who causes things to happen. You know, I think about it, I still think about it. I got a new mechanic that's doing my car work. I really like him. He said some things about my car the other day. He said, Pastor, I don't understand this. I said, excuse me. I said, I'm a tither. I said, that's why. And then I told him about another mechanic in church I had. I had a 1994 Buick Saber. When we came to California in 2005, we left everything behind. I gave my car away. We came out here, did a movement truck, had nothing. And I was bleeding for a $500 car. I had a good $500 car paid back then because I don't make payments. And so one of the tow yards in town, that's a impound yard for the police, told me about a nice Buick came in. Well, that's what I was was a Buick. So I went down there, I got a 1994 Buick that had less than 100,000 miles on it. I drove the car for how many years, Dave? 2017, what's that like, 12 years? Yeah. Drove for 12 years, and then I sold to a lady for $500. Still running. And before that, the mechanic in the church that worked on my car, he said, Pastor, I remember what to say, David. He said, you know, you had a rod knock on that car ever since you got here. I said, yeah. I said, I walked by faith, not by sight. You know, one time, one time I saw my car, so I, I told the lady about it, I saw it. says, making some noise there. Mechanic said it's a rod knock, but I've driven that way for 12 years, so according to your faith, it's been done on you. And so what am I saying? I'm saying I do not have to go out and make great big giant payments on a car to please anybody. Amen. 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 One of the first guest speakers I had here at our church, my first guy to drive that car, picked him up, they were driving the back seat of my car, and this guy sitting there, he says, Pastor Samples, we're in agreement with you for a new car. And I turned around and looked at it. I said, you're agreeing by yourself? Then I don't need one. I said, nothing wrong with my car. I don't take those payments to do that. God gave me one. That's okay. But I'm not asking for it because I was satisfied. I've learned, I've learned my faith level, how my faith works. Now, since that time, I've bought some cars and paid thousands of dollars for them in cash. Not one payment. Why is that? Because I want to prosper God's way to his system of economics and going into debt things I can't afford is not going to get me there. It violates God's rules. Amen. And so Romans 10, 17, the first step to your prosperity, you've got to get faith to the Word of God and a good Bible teaching about what God says. And we already know, he already said in 3 John 2, he said, I want you to prosper. And that's the, that's the first step to victory, knowing God's on your side. He wants you to prosper. He doesn't want you to go broke. And now look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And again, people have been here a long time and say, Pastor, we already know these verses. Well, I'm glad you do. We're going to keep on teaching them until you really get it. And the people who never heard it have got to get it. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our what? Faith. How does faith come? Hearing what? So we can say, hold fast the confession of the word. I want to say that again. Let us hold fast the confession of what God says. Without wavering. Why is that? 
For he's faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. And so you've got to train yourself to always talk in agreement with what the Bible says concerning your personal finances. What I say about my cars is this. The windows ever open has blessings on my cars. God rebukes the devourer for me. God can make a car run for 12 years with a rod that knocks. Amen. God can make tires last. It's not the best thing to go around doing. I've had a mirror of tires while I was driving. Somebody said, well, I don't believe that. Well, if you doubt it, do about it. Amen. I've had to do so many things for me. I remember we was going through the mouth of Upper State, New York. I'll never forget it. We had a man, a Volkswagen Vatican. Try going a couple thousand miles in a Volkswagen Vatican. We've done it. Driving through the mountains. I had a little boy named David about this tall. Had a little boy named Joshua about this tall. And somewhere on that trip, the bumper came off my Vatican. And that was a rare, that was a rare breed of vehicle. You didn't just go buy bumpers, didn't have any money for it anyway. And so we're driving up to the mountains, and these boys are wrestling the back of the van. And so Dad pulled over to spank the little bottoms. And up in the mountains, I pulled to the side of the road. They never got spanking that day. You know why? When I pulled off the road and got out, walked around that side of the car, there was a bump running in there. And I thought, wow, that's like the one that fell off. And I got up, and I got under there, and I put that bump on there and stuck, and it stayed on. And so somehow I got it wired up there so it stayed. And I got back to Indiana. I didn't have any money for a mechanic. And there's a mechanic friend of my dad's. Pulled down to his house after the trip. The mechanic looked at that there and said, Hey, that bumper looks like it might fall off. He said, Let me raise it on there for you. So he got a little torsion. Put my bumper on there. It cost me nothing. And got it in the mountains up there. Somebody said, Well, I doubt that. I want to say it to you. If you doubt it, do without it. See, I didn't have to go into debt on MasterCard, pay some mechanic a couple hundred dollars out there in New York to do a bumper job. Jehovah Jireh. Amen. 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 We've always lived that way. That's God's system of economics. He takes care of you. But then, but then now, the thing is, we graduated, but have to live that way. Now I can pay a mechanic. Now I can buy cars. We didn't stay there. You know what we did? Along the way, we always tithed. We gave commissions. We always helped people when we could. We got in God's system, found out it's better to be a giver than a beggar. Amen. Amen. We learned to give for a living. And so, uh, train yourself to always talk in agreement that God supplies all of my needs. God is rebuke the devourer. Windows ever open. I give as given unto me. Good measure, press down, shake together, burn over. All these Bible verses that you hear around here all the time, always say those. If you're tempted to say something really bad or horrible and put bad stuff out of your money, stop. Shut up. What's the Bible say? Even as your soul prospers. Okay, third thing, James 1.22. You hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. But even as your soul prospers, you need to start doing what the Bible says if you want God's prosperity. This system start working in your life. I've been in God's system. You know what your pen is, your password for God's system? J-E-S-U-S. J-E-S-U-S. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give glory to God in his name. James 1.22. <clears throat> 
But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For your soul and prosperity, you need to hear the word, speak the word, act on the word. That's all part of the ingredients of stepping into God's system of prosperity. Put the word into practice. What you learn to do with your money from God's word, do it. Do it. Don't let your emotions tell you why. You can't do it. You work from your heart, not from your head. You live from your spirit, not by your emotions. I like what Dr. Summerlin used to always say. I can still hear his voice. Matter of fact, most every time you see Dr. Barclay, you hear Dr. Summerall. We, we got married by our honeymoon, Dr. Summerall, his church and the Hagans a bunch of them. That's how we started our marriage home. But I'll never forget Dr. Summerall all the time. He had a real gruff voice saying, Throw your emotions in the garbage can where they belong. And don't take them out. Because Christians live by emotions, not by faith, never go very far. Amen. And so anyway, I'm going to give you a couple of must verbs if you want to transition. I want to say that again, transition from the world system to God's system of finances. I'm, I'm not even going to turn here because you hear this one all the time anyway. But Malachi 3, verses 8 through 12. That's our tithing verses. And that's where God told you, quit robbing him. Leviticus 27 says the tithe is holy and it belongs to who? God. Anybody ever hear people talk about uh, uh, Pastor John Holstein? We're not talking about Joel, we're talking about John, his dad. He, he was my was my first pastor, Pastor Landry. He was his pastor. They went to his church. And then he was Dr. Barclay's pastor for 37 years that I've been down to his church. And a lot of times he would say this at offering time. He would say, now listen, I want to tell you guys, there's some thieves in this church here today. And if you're sitting beside somebody that's a God robber, you better hold your billfold real close. Because they'll steal from God and they'll steal from you. And you know, that that's kind of sounds kind of, I don't know what you're saying. But that was the truth. If God says that a Christian doesn't pay tithes to God and is robbing him, then that's a robber sent to the church. And John Osteen would always say that. He said, if they'll steal from God, they'll steal from you, so watch your purse, ladies. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's real. That's real stuff. But Malachi chapter 3, he said, and this is part of God's system. Matter of fact, to me, this is the first step you take to get in the system. You bring the 10% to God off your gross income. If you've got a lot of other deductions come out first, if you've got federal taxes and insurance, everything else, well, God's supposed to be above all those things. He gets 10% of your gross. Whatever you make, you just take the decimal point, move it one place to the left. Tithe is really easy to figure out. If you got paid $10, move it over one place, your tithe's a dollar. If it's $100, move it over one place, your tithe's $10. And I, I think about how the devil, through solical deception, deceives so many Christians. He loves to put this thought there. Well, we can't afford to tithe. Well, God says you can't afford not to. We're talking about stepping into God's system of economics. I tell you, I love getting free bumpers out of the middle of the I love to be able to go down the road and drive by faith and not by sight when those car things are going on. I don't want to live there, but I'm glad to know that faith works if I am there, try to get out of there. Because we're talking about transitioning, transitioning 
from the old system to God's system. It's a process, but all the time, like all those stories I told you, I never thought of those things until Black was right here. I forgot about her had to dig through cabinets and try to find some crumbs to eat when she was pregnant for Josh. I forgot about a car up there that tried to get some heating oil. And you know how I finally got heating oil? <laughs> a guy wrote me a five-gallon can. There was a diesel truck stop up the road. And I'd go up there, and I'd get $5 worth at a time to bring, to bring it back there and get up blasted for one or two days. We had an old fuel tank outside our house, this old rental house. That's what had all the snakes in the basement and the water. Oh, that's, we live places. And so I'd climb up on that tank on a cement block. I'd pour that five-gallon can in there, and then we'd pray that the furnace would start. And then we had enough oil to last for a while. But we was learning then how faith works. We used what we had. We didn't put foul words out there about what we didn't have. We used what we had, and we thank the Lord every day is meeting our needs. And glory to God, our faith increased, 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 increased to where now I don't even have a light bill. My solar pays for all my heating and cooling. I crank there up as much as I want to in my house because I have no bill. I turn the heat up out here as much as I want to because I have no bill. It's on a solar system that's paid for. That's a long ways. That's a long ways from buying diesel fuel to pulling a tank to get heat for my babies. Amen. I want to say it again. I never thought about any of this, but I've heard all the sob stories. I lived them. And so there's nothing you can tell me about hard times that we haven't lived, I don't think. You know, there's so many, oh boy, I'm so glad they're with I'm telling you how not to be there. And so you bring the tithe in, and God opens the with his heaven for the blessing. And I want to say this again because people don't understand what the blessing is. It's not God blessing you with house money this week. It's not God blessing you with a car. That's a lifestyle blessing. That's the blessings on you for whichever set your hand to prospers. When it's never open, the needs are always met. I, and, and the way I always see this, back in Indiana, we didn't have a lot of rivers. We have one called White River, right, right down through Indiana. When I was younger, we used to go down there and go camping. And we had these great big inner tubes. We put the water, we'd all rope them all together. And the curve was so fast, we'd have to have somebody with a truck up there to pick us up because we'd get our inner tubes of water and the curve would carry us. All we had to do watch out for big trees and stuff sticking out of the water or sandbars so we didn't get hurt. But the current carried us. It took no effort. All we had to do was steer. That to me what the blessing is. When you get your lifestyle and the current of God, the blessing of God, life just carries you to that river of blessing. All you had to do is steer. And everywhere you show up, blessings, like Deuteronomy 28 says, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Blessed coming, blessed going. In the country, wherever you are in the city, blessed, 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 blessed. That's the lifestyle in God's system of economics. To transition there, the first thing you need to do is be a tither to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now I want you to look at something else too that's really very vital. It means a lot to God. Proverbs 3, verse 27 and 28. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Amen. I'll tell you what, I don't have any sad stories. We live some things through life, but in this things through life we live, we live through, we learned how to tap into God's system of economics. We didn't feel sorry for ourselves. And, you know, we didn't realize 
that we were poor until the last few years, we're like, wow, you know what? We might have been poor. Well, when you confess in prosperity, you don't see poor. All you see God. You know, we never thought about it. I look back at that little white Ford Fiesta, that goofy little car, but praise God, that's like the well of St. Jonah. We drove to that car and by four teenage boys with those feet curled up, with their feet sticking those windows all around that car, and then put the little ones in there, and my two daughters in there, and then us sitting in the front seat with that gear shift in the middle. They didn't have the laws about car seats back then. And I have a kid crushed in the gear shift. So every time I shift, I had to watch out and they hit him in the head. They didn't have those laws back then. And so I think we were probably poor, but we made it. And here we are today to be able to help other people make it. And so Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, it says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, but it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Say not to thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give without hazard by thee. That's why we didn't live off of ice cream cones, McDonald's, and Dairy Queen's, all the fancy stuff. When we had light bill money, it went to the light bill, you didn't go to McDonald's. Amen. When we had rent, we wasn't able to buy a house back then. When we had rent money, the rent money did not go to Coney Island. We didn't have any distance back there. We had other places like that back there. We didn't go to those places. Why didn't we? Because we wanted to have a house to live in. We wanted to have lights. We wanted to have a car to drive with gas in it. And so that's why we did not withhold good from whom it was due. If the light bill was due, we paid the light bill. And we did not let little kids work on our emotions. Everybody else is doing it. No. They might be doing it, but we're not doing it. But well, why aren't you doing it? Because we're paying our bills. But we believe in God. You guys use your faith. And I think about our kids. All of our kids bought their own cars because we taught them how to use their faith. I think about Jason and Ben and getting their first cows. It's so amazing. We moved on to an 80-acre farm. We rented the farmhouse there. And these kids started seeing all the farmers and all the things going on. And they wanted to start doing cows themselves. And so we told the boys what to do. They already knew how to sow seed. We said, sow some seed for a cow. Whatever you got, put it in the offering. And you believe Jesus to give you some cows. And so we're out here on this 80-acre farm. And, you know, like I said, now I guess we were poor. We had really, back, back then, I had $300 faith for rent money. We never made over $300 for rent ever. Because that's where my faith was. We lived in some really good house for $300. We lived in a poor house for $300. I always had $300 faith and $500 faith for cars. It's increased now. <laughs> but anyway, one day, one day, this old guy comes up in his bib overalls with this tobacco, tobacco dripping down. Hey, you know who owns this land back here? Well, we told him who owned the land back there. We had a crowd, big old barn and everything. He said, well, I got about how many cows he had. And he said, I, need, I, need, I saw those boys out here and said, I want to find out if they would take care of those cows for me at the end of the season, I'll give them a cow. So that's how they got started in the cattle business, the farming business, because I taught those kids how to sow their seed. Dad and mom did not go to, have to go into debt because kids wanted something. We showed them how to do it. Amen. And then it wasn't very long after, I think by the time Jason was about 15, he bought his first tractor. Because they were able to do the cow business on their own, off their feed, on all their stuff.
they took care of that. And so listen, I'm telling you, parents, you're doing a very, very, very injustice to your children if all you ever do to give them the freebies. Somebody said, well, I don't know. My dad and mom did that for me, and their dad and mom did that for them. How well did that work out? Amen. And so that's some of the things we saw, but I want you to see this again. It says, God said in his system of economics, you pay your bills when they're due. You pay your bills. When you got the money, you pay your bills. When you got your money, you pay your bills. You don't go to Disney. You don't go to Knoxbury. You don't take off for a three-day holiday weekend. You pay your bills. And you got your bills paid, and you're all caught up, and you know you're all set for the next round, too, and you got the money left over, you save for it, you've done the day Ramsey things, and all the things you know to do, and you can pay cash. That's not going to put you in the hole where Edison says, we're going to shut your lights off, and then you lie to Edison, and so we don't have it. I want to say it again, Christians are supposed to tell the truth. You're supposed to say, Edison, you know what? I really like lights, but I love my kids at Disney World. So I want to go feed the mouse so you can turn off my lights. Am I doing a really good preaching or what? You are supposed to pay your bills. That's God's system of economics. <clears throat> God said, withhold not good. And stop thinking about this. If you're a Christian person that owns houses, you're renting houses, how would you like it if people were paying rent to you? If you're a Christian person that has a service that you sell or products you sell and other Christians buy your products and they tell you, let us buy this and we'll pay you $25 a week till we get it paid off. And they quit paying the $25 a week, get on Facebook all the time, see the woo woo look at all these pictures of what we did. And you think, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in God for income. And God gave me this business. And these Christians told me they would pay me because this is my business. And now they tell me they don't have it. And you know what happens in churches when that happens? Christians begin to really, really, really exceed other Christians. They walk in. And that's why years ago I learned something. We had this one couple. And you know, really, they were pretty prosperous. And they used to help us a lot. They'd give us money and things like that. Well, I remember there was a couple times that they wouldn't give it to us. And so I asked her, we borrow some money. And man, we went through the rough stuff there. And it got really hard when I couldn't pay them. We weren't blowing it, we just didn't have it. I'd come to church to see them. I had such a guilty complex going out with them money to look them die. I couldn't do it. And so after that, I made a choice. Number one, I wouldn't ask a Christian ever again to borrow money. And number two, I would never loan money to a Christian. I would give it to them. There have been so many times in this church I've given lots and lots of money sometimes to Christians not because they asked me because I knew they were going through a hard time and I gave it to them. I thought there's no way I want these people to quit coming to church because they owe the pastor money. There's no way I want them not be able to look me in the eye without feeling guilty. So I learned I learned what the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I put that into action in my life because I learned how that works. Because I know that somebody's having a hard enough time in life, they can't pay their bills, and then they tell me that they're going to borrow this money for a week, I know they're not going to pay me. 
So why should I get money as a loan and make them feel guilty when they run the other direction away from where they're sitting down to hear the word? Doesn't that make sense? That's how this works. That's how this works. And so, number one, to transition to God's system is give God 10% off the top of what belongs to Him. And then number two, don't borrow money that you know you can't pay back. Don't borrow money to buy things you don't need. And if you make a deal to pay something, don't go blowing the money on other things. Pay it. Why is that? Because God said that's His system. He said you pay your bills because those people that loaned you that money or did that service for you, they're people too. And especially if they're Christians, you don't want to wrong a fellow Christian. You don't want to wrong a fellow Christian. And a lot of people you do business with may be Christians, you don't even know it. And they may be crying out to God. God, give me justice. Make these people pay me what they owe me. Amen. Last verse. Last verse. Galatians 5, verse 6. How to transition from the world's way to God's way, God's system of economics. On them, they pretty good book with it. <laughs> Galatians 5, verse 6. The last part of that verse says, Faith which worketh by love. Faith works by love. And my Bible, I wrote the Amplified Bible, what it says, because I always like to see this. It says, faith is activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Love is an energizer for your faith. Love is an energizer. And so no matter how well you do the things I've talked about tonight, if you don't treat people nice, I've talked about sinners, Church people, strangers, and Jesus taught us so well in the Gospels, especially people that don't like you. The ones that give you a hard time, that slander you, lie about you, and I'm so glad that I don't look at the social media. I have no idea what people say about me, because I don't want to know. I don't really care, because I know there's probably some people somewhere that might not like me. And so I am not going to allow myself to get open to get mad at people. And so for your faith, these things we've talked about in God's system, God's system is you love people regardless. Amen. You pray for people regardless. You're nice to people regardless. And if you can't say anything, you can smile at them anyway, but not a mean smile, just a nice smile that says, I've got compassion and love for you. Jesus loves you, and I want to help you. Amen. Or is it your turn, Mom? Man, you know what? I have, I have a couple of bosses. Matter of fact, I've got three or four bosses. I've got a lot of girls in my family. <laughs> but anyway, did anybody get any help tonight? Amen. I'm, just, I'm so grateful that I don't live in Poorville anymore. I'm glad I got off that street. And I've learned how God does things, and I will cooperate with Him. Well, well we've got a few minutes anyway because uh, they have to get ready for the water baptism. So I just thought I would give you a few tips in life. Um, 
Number one, God can't bless stupid. You know, when we when we were going through the what I call the poor years, you know, if if I went to the grocery store or whatever, and there was something we couldn't eat, I didn't get it. I didn't buy paper towels because you can't eat paper towels. I used my husband's undershirts that he didn't wear anymore, and I cut them up for rags, and I still do that. I, I do buy paper towels now, but then I didn't, because it was either buy paper towels or buy eggs. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't buy saran wrap because it was either buy stuff like that or buy a gallon of milk. You can't eat saran wrap. You understand what I'm saying? So this is what I did. We didn't buy we didn't buy napkins for the table. You can't eat napkins. But we threw a towel in the middle of the table and then called it the family towel. And that's what we that's what, you know you need to wipe your hands when you're eating. You know you wipe your hands on a family towel because you can't eat napkins. You understand what I'm saying? It was either food or things that you couldn't eat. Um, I would use bread sacks. You know, you have an empty bread sack, right? Just plastic, right? Okay, I would use empty bread sacks for stuff. And you can even rewash those. And you hang them on the faucet and they dry and you can use them again. Yeah. Um, what else do we do? School lunches. Uh, in Indiana, you paid for your school lunches. I understand out here you get them free. But back then, we paid for school lunches. I always made sure that my, the kids that, my kids that went to my homeschooled out for a bunch of them and stuff like that, but the two older ones went to public school. I always made sure that they had money for school lunches because I knew at least they would be getting a good meal at school. And that was back then when you got a meal, you didn't get a you know, snack you know, for your lunch. They gave you a meal. And so I always knew that they had, a, you know, it was like 65 cents a day or something. So that was pretty cool. Um, I learned how to, uh, I didn't buy the expensive laundry detergent. I got the cheap stuff. I used cloth diapers. Your mothers just cringe at that. You know, Cindy did too. Even when uh, Pampers came into being, I still used cloth diapers because I, pardon me, but I just couldn't see spending however much you spend 25, 30 bucks a week on stuff to throw out the trash. So I washed them. I'd do it today if I had to because I'm just that frugal, okay? But if you can't eat it, you don't buy it. If you've got kids, you know, you've got mouths to feed. It's your responsibility. First of all, FPI says, FPU says FPI. FPU says get shelter, you know, then get food. You know, there's priorities in life. You know, if it's not going to supply a roof over your head, you know, that's a priority. You need food on the table for your kids. That's a priority. Um, let me see something else I used to do. Oh, um, I learned how to make stone soup. Well, what's stone soup? Stone soup is when you don't know what in the world to have for dinner. So you get out your biggest pot and fill it full of water. Then you open the refrigerator door. Well, maybe there's a half a cup of corn. I can throw that in there that's left over. Never throw it in the water, you know. Um, well, here's, there's a potato left. Let's cut it up and throw it in there. There's a little bit of meat left from the other day. Throw that in there. Throw a can of uh, tomato sauce or something in there. Give it some red color. You know, throw throw some uh, little bit of you know spaghetti breaking up. You know, so it looks like noodles. You got yourself you know vegetable beef soup or vegetable whatever soup. You understand what I'm saying? So you know you can set your priorities. 
you've got to set your fire. Number one is God. No matter how, quote unquote, lukewarm you were, we always tithe. Always. Always. We drove 35 miles to church. We always had gas money. And went to three services a week. Because going to church was a priority to us. Okay? Our tithe was first. Getting to church was a priority. A roof over our head was a priority. $300 faith was great. And, um, you know, food on the table. If, if cash can't get it, you don't need it and you don't want it. You learn, that's how we learn to live by faith. How do you think we, could, we took over this place that had horrible financial yuck and made it work and we're still here today? By all means, when we took this church over with 60 people, nobody tithed. Had, had almost a $5,000 monthly mortgage payment. You know, we didn't get paid half the time. Yeah, three or $4,000 life bill in the summertime, you know. So, you know, and I'd play, let's make a deal with the electric company. I refinanced the mortgage on this place two or three times to get it down where it was affordable. You know, stuff like that. Uh, the church used to pay, had four or $500 a month advertising. They would advertise every newspaper around here, all these military papers. I said, wait a minute. You know, God does his own advertising, so I got rid of all of that. You know, but you know, you gotta get down to basics. What is a, what is a priority? And, and again, too, I, I understand about kids putting pressure on you. They go to public school and they got the Nikes and they got this and they got that, you know. How did we get our stuff? I prayed. I kept a journal. In the back of the journal, I could probably pick one out, pull one out and show you. Lord, the kids need shoes for school. I didn't have the money for school shoes. But God would somehow come through. Did they get the Nikes? No. But I don't think that you see uh, David or Joshua and the rest of my kids crying in their stone suit because they didn't have Nikes. You understand what I'm saying? You're not allowing your children to pressure you. And you need to be honest with your children about your finances too. You know, dad lost his job, dad's laid off. Some of you people, you don't even tell your kids stuff like that. Then your kids get mad at you because you're not buying them all the stuff. You need to let, allow your children to use their faith with your faith. And they'll bring you their quarters and they'll say, here, I'll help you pay, I'll help you pay for the groceries. They'll bring you their quarters or whatever. They want to help. These kids, they have great faith. Allow them to join their faith with your faith. And anyway, back to that. That's how come we could operate this church because we never had food stamps because we couldn't get it because of that stupid car he had that wouldn't run, you know? <laughs> I married him, him and that stupid car. <laughs> <laughs> it was brand new, but it was a didn't work, you know. Couldn't go anywhere. It was nothing. <laughs> but anyway, I lost my train of thought on that thought. That's why I remember what I said. Oh, they're here. They're here. Anyway, so I hope that you know, man, shake yourself up. You know, God is God cannot bless stupid, and God will not increase you if you're going to increase stupid. So you need to get rid of the stupid. 
do things God's way, and then as you go along and you get rid of the stupid, and God can say, okay, I can trust them with a little more, so I'm going to give them a little more. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, we got to the point where we live in a very nice house now. I never thought I'd live in a house like that. You know, we're saving our money to buy a better car. You know, we're not buying it until we got the cash to do it. You know, you're just going to have to look at whatever we drive and like it or lump it. I don't care. But we're not getting another vehicle unless we pay cash for it. So anyway. Okay, so here come the guys. Now he's staring at me from yonder pole over there. Okay, well, you never know how long it's going to take. Also, if you have someone who's being baptized and you would like to go up there and take pictures of them, like up there where Alex is at, you are more than welcome to go up there. Just don't trip over the cords. Don't knock over the drum. You know, that kind of stuff. So you may go ahead and go on up there. I guess he's ready. Justin and his mom, Claire, is going to get baptized also. So let's hear it for Justin. 